2: Hello and welcome to the No Name Ever podcast. It's a Charlie Austin specials today. I'm Jamie Smith and with me today on the podcast are Adam Howarth, James Bird, and Kevin Robinson. Um, obviously a sad day for the club with Charlie Austin leaving, joining QPR. If you haven't heard already, where have you been all day? Austin signed a three-year deal at Loftus Road. He'll be wearing number nine for his new club. And Harry Redknapp spoke to the official QPR website about his new striker. He said, Charlie's an outing out scorer and we're delighted to have him here. Renap added, he scored goals wherever he's played throughout his career, and I'm very confident he'll take his game to the next level with us. I've got no doubt that if we give him the right service, he will score a lot of goals for us. Austin added, I'm really pleased to be here. Harry spoke to me at length about the ambition of the club and the desire to return to the Premier League, and that's where I want to be as well with QPR. Building Chief Executive Lee Hoot said, The club is sad to see Austin goal, but we could not compete with the package offered by QPR the chief executive pointed out that QPR have parachute payments from their Premier League relegation, and that means they can pay wages far in excess of what we can offer to Austin. Austin looked like he was set to join the whole city last month, but a medical meant the deal fell through when a problem with Austin's knee was uncovered. But that doesn't appear to have caused any problems for QPR. So, boys, what do we make of the Austin deal? How how do we feel about it? Is it it, we sad to see him go, or had we all accepted that this was going to happen and now it's just a case of moving on with things. What do you think, James?
1: Well, actually, I'm almost sort of shocked now because um, I'd sort of given up on the idea of it happening. But, um, I mean, uh, it's a, it's sad to see him go. Obviously, he scores a lot of goals. But we've seen other players come and go in the past. I mean, Stephen Fletcher, in my opinion, is the best striker I've ever watched at Turf Moor. Burnley. Absolutely. I agree with you um, there. You know, we managed, after he left, We'll, we'll manage again. See, it's a shame it's so soon before the start of the season, but I don't think there's a a, a chance of us struggling just because we've lost one player. I think it's the timing. The
2: timing's the problem, isn't it? I mean, um, for us to play the whole of pre-season with Austin up front, and it looked like he had a really good partnership with Ings, and then two days before the season starts to lose him to a, a club in the Championship as well, which is... A blow, of course. I mean, we all expect him to go to the Premier League and that's not the case. Adam, what do you make of the fact that no Premier League clubs wanted him and that he'll be lining up against Burnley
3: next season? Um, uh, I'm obviously disappointed that he didn't go to a a Premier League club. Um, But I I, I don't think you can uh, blame him for going to a Championship club because they've got so much money and anyone wants to, to boost their wages. Um, Despite being a footballer, he he still obviously wants to get the best package he possibly can. Um, The fact that no no Premier League club wanted him, um, I don't know whether that's due to um, Steve Bruce kindly telling the world of his supposed knee problem, or whether it's just a case of no one actually wanting him. Um, But yeah, uh, not... you can't can't blame him too much for going to QPR.
2: Yeah, I mean, QPR are obviously going to be able to offer a lot more money. They've got rich owners and obviously the parachute payments. Although, I I genuinely don't think they're that much bigger a club than us, and I think that's what's so disappointing. He'll go to QPR and he'll play in front of, what, 15,000 people every week? It's not going to be that much more than he would at Turf Moor. Do you think Austin's going to fire QPR to promotion, Kevin, or will it be a case of be more of a sideways move, and he's not going to move on that much.
3: Well,
4: it's a strange one, I think, because QPR um, they've got had quite a lot of problems. We've had some really good players, but it's just not happened for them. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how they fare this season in the Championship. Um, they've, like I said, they've had, had a lot of players, but they've not been playing as a team, and players have essentially go mad for the money. So himself, he's got the quality to fire a team to promotion, but it very much depends on how the, uh, how the team around it performs, I think. Um, so on the on the Steve Bruce thing, I don't think Steve Bruce talking about Austin's injury has had, had that much influence on him not going to a Premier League club. There didn't seem to be much Premier League interest in, 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 him, in him before that happened. It seemed like we were trying to start a bidding war, but we were on the whole, really, with any serious interest. So, I don't think the injury um, worries has had not much of a, a, a impact on his destination? Yeah, it's a funny one, really, because the whole last
2: season, we were constantly being told what clubs were watching him. We knew that Arsenal had seen him a couple of times, and Newcastle were on the list of clubs that had definitely watched him. I think Aston Villa were mentioned as well. And for some reason, something had obviously put these clubs off from coming in. And when the move to Hull fell through, you wondered if, if the price would maybe come down because of the comments made by Steve Bruce about his knee, but Again, that doesn't seem to be the case particularly. Why do you think Premier League clubs were perhaps put off from him, James?
1: Um, I think nowadays Premier League clubs are maybe looking for a little bit more than just a goal scorer. Um, not to say he hasn't got other aspects to his game, but he's certainly not a Jay Rodriguez who you know, picks the ball up, runs with it, runs at his defender and can do other things like Danny Ings can. He's very much sort of the guy you rely on to score goals. I and mean, I'm not sure that that is the sort of plan that Premier League sides go for now.
4: No, I think um, I think there's only probably two or three clubs that can afford to have a pure goal scorer in the team in the Premier League. And we saw a lot at the end of last season when, when uh, Charlie was asked to play a little bit further back and do a little bit more for the team rather than just being that pure goal scorer, and it just didn't happen for him. Um, when he's not pretty much on the goal line, he's, he's nowhere near as effective. He's He's still got lots of strong aspects to his game, but when he's asked to play further back, it's nowhere near plays to his strengths.
2: Yeah, um, we've had Daniel on the comments on our live chat function as well, saying that Austin doesn't have enough to his game to attract Premier League clubs. It is quite rare these days that Premier League strikers only have goals to his game, but I think at the start of last season especially, Austin's his all-round game seemed to be really coming on. He was coming deep and he was linking the play, and I think... His, his general all-round play was developing all the time. We've got to remember with Austin that he was so late to professional football, he's only been a professional yeah. for, what, three years or so, even now. So things like that are going to be developing all the time. I do think he regressed a little bit after Howe left, but I think that was just the case of the tactics not really suiting him. Um, Adam, what do you make of the fact that... Um, QPR are obviously going to rely on Austin quite heavily for goals. Is he going to be good enough to take them back to the Premier League?
3: Um, well, there's obviously a lot of pressure on him and I don't know how that's affected him because at the start of last season, no one was really expecting him to be such a good goal goal scorer. We'd seen glimpses, but no, nothing had ever proven it. Um, so I don't know how he'll cope with that pressure. Um I think um, Harry Redknapp wants to sign another striker before the end of the the window. He loves the end of the window, so I wouldn't be surprised. Wheeler Dealer. Wheeler Dealer. Wheeler Dealer. He loves being called a Wheeler Dealer. Yeah, it goes without saying when you mention Harry Redknapp.
2: Um, (laughs) So that's actually his middle name, Harry Wheeler Dealer
3: Redknapp. Yep. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how he coached with that pressure. Um, on him at the start of the season. Um, but, yeah, hopefully he'll perform because I want him to do well, um, despite him leaving for more money and all that.
2: Do you agree, James? Do you want him to do well or would you be happy to see him fail? Not necessarily have his dodgy knee fall apart, but just not do very well. Literally
3: fall apart.
1: Well, yeah,
3: <laughs> actually as collapse. As, <laughs> as long as I'm staying
1: away, because obviously I wouldn't mind seeing him not score so many, especially when he plays us. But um, I think he'll do well. He at this level, he's a you know proven goal scorer. If they play to his strengths, which I think QPR probably will, um, you can expect him to score. You know at least twenty goals a season. And you know, I don't want him to do terribly. But um, you know, I wouldn't say yeah. I want him to smash him in every week, because that means he's going to smash him in against us one week. It's but, tricky
2: uh, because I, I would guess that the deal is probably made up by uh, appearances and goals. I think a lot of transfers are these days, and especially with the the concerns over his knee. So we probably need him to score a few so we get some extra money for him, but we don't want him to do it too well because would we even see QPR as a rival for us this season or are they going to be competing in a different part of the league, Kevin?
4: What do you think, are QPR rivals for us? Like I said earlier, you really can't sell um, I'm going to say probably not, but uh, like I said, who knows? Because they could be they could, they could be automatic challenges, they could be playoff challenges, they could even be down at the bottom with a uh, way the club seems to be going at the moment, so very much a, a question mark.
2: It's difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, there's so much upheaval there with the money that they're spent, and then players like Samba have left straight away. Um, I think Austin will play most games for them, but they've got Lloyd Remy at the moment, who yeah. would obviously be in the team if he was still there, but he's being linked with the move away. There's also question marks over whether he's going to be available. He's going to be in court on a rape charge next month, so yeah. it's possible that they could still have him, but he could be in jail, so you never know. But Redmatt, uh, I mean,
3: Redmatch
2: say that, that he will play and that they're going to set the team up to feed Austin, which I think is the only way you can play when you've got a striker like Austin.
1: Quickly going back to what you said about incentives, I've got a feeling that with a side like QPR, the, the probably the biggest one in there is promotion. Um, so I, I I think they will get promoted. I mean, I don't expect them to be a Wolves or a you know a Blackburn. Maybe they might do a bit of a Bolton and have a poor spell early on, but I I can't imagine the team under Harry Redknapp are going to uh, languish in the Championship. No, um, I don't particularly
2: like him as a manager, but he's obviously. Uh, very talented at teams from Austin. He knows what he's doing. It's it's difficult to see QPR struggling. Um, Austin himself, we've not really heard from him about his time at Burnley, but I'm sure those quotes will come out. It was perhaps a little bit of a surprise that, do you think maybe he's forced through this move this, this summer? I mean, he could have stayed for another year and, then gone on a free transfer next summer, do you think maybe something's happened that's wanted him to go? He seemed quite content to stay, and the manager said that he'd been very professional in what he's been doing in pre-season, so it seems a bit unusual that all the noises have been that it's fine and he's going to stay and then today he's gone. What what do you make of that, Kevin? I think that's a a, a
1: lot about if yeah um, oh, there.
2: there again yeah. I think, <laughs> uh, Kevin's got a bit of a delay but um yeah we'll try and carry on as best we can um
4: yeah I think he would have been happy to stay if um if that was if that would have happened but I think it was a, a similar case to to Martin Patterson but it was keeping his, op- his options open um obviously he he kept very really quiet once the, once the whole moved whole move broke down he didn't really come down either way about where we'd stay at the club or go elsewhere um yeah I do think he'd have been happy to stay but it he was he'd been just as happy to, to to get a different deal elsewhere and try and perhaps have a better chance of going up which is Oh I think he's
1: got he's got, got the QPR I think,
4: yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, think uh, I think a big part of it for Austin was possibly about money um because obviously there is a limit to what what Burnley can offer uh we probably could have given him more but we have a structure and you can't break that structure because if you break it for one person, you have to break it for others. Um, so I think a lot of it was he, he probably knew that there was something like there who probably give him a better offer. And in the case of QPR, they're looking to go straight back up. So they're probably not looking at financial fair play going, you know, in a few years when our parachute payments stop, are we going to be having this much money coming in? They'll be looking at it as, well, next year we fully expect to be back in the Premier League. I think part of that is partly why he was sort of looking for a move away. It's tricky, isn't
2: it? Because um, there were reports in some sections of the media that we'd offered Austin as much as fifteen thousand pounds a week to stay, which sounds unlikely to me in the extreme. Because when we were promoted, we were talking about a fifteen k a week wage cap, so it would be odd three years down the line for us to start offering players that much. Um, yeah, I, absolutely, I agree to yeah. an extent with what you were saying about offering. Um, Offering players too much and then everyone else wants parity. But do you think a club like Burnley has to concentrate on a few assets and try and make them stay? Otherwise, we're constantly going to have this this situation where our best players are going every single season and it's going to be too difficult to build anything. Adam, do you think maybe we could have pushed the ball out for Austin or was it just inevitable with the, the riches that QPR have got? I mean, he's probably earning two times, three times what he was on at Burnley now at Loftus Road.
3: Um i mean I, I think our whole business plan as a club is is based around selling these players year after year um so we we get a, a good player we line them up so they're good and then we get another one on the conveyor belt ready to replace that player and then we sell them um so i I doubt it was even too much in the option to to really push the bit about uh, <laughs> uh boat out um But, uh, yeah. Um. I mean, one of the problems we have with situations like this
2: is that a lot of fans will start talking about a lack of ambition and it's that phrase that always comes up whenever we sell a player. But with Austin, was it just the case that we just couldn't compete financially with QPR because of their rich owners and the fact they've got the parachute payments? Or do you think maybe he also feels there's more chance of promotion at QPR and that's partly why he wants to go as well?
1: I mean, um, there's a big thing here. Obviously, QPR on the face of it probably have a better chance of promotion. But uh, people talk about a lack of ambition. But I don't think it's a lack of ambition to have a a sustainable model for your team. Um, I've said before that I think a lot of it is more about not necessarily improving what star players you have, but improving the the weakest link. If you have 11 solid championship players, you're going to do well in the championship. If you have three star players in the championship, but then the rest of the team are sort of high league, one low championship standard, you're still only going to end up, you know, mid to lower table. So ultimately, you know, losing Charlie Austin's a blow, you lose a lot of goals, and obviously, goals is what wins football games. But if you replace him well and you sort of spread that salary across the side, you can probably end up with a better championship team on a whole, though you may have a a worse championship striker up front.
2: So are you suggesting that any money that uh, the manager does get from the Austin sale should perhaps go on a couple of players to supplement what we already have, rather than go for an out-and-out replacement
1: for Austin? I think it depends on what the manager sees sees as needed. Does he think Sam Vokes can step up and take on some of those goals? Um, Or does he think that maybe with a little bit of extra support in certain roles... We can gain those goals. You know, you might think we, we might want some more goals from the midfield. Uh, so I think that was somewhere we, we lacked a little bit last season. So you were getting a lot of goals from uh Charlie Austin, but you weren't getting as many goals as we have done in the past from like the central midfield. about um, the south bank replaced it's uh, oh, it it comes through uh, But uh if
2: you have a live chat feel free to do Throw some names in and we'll debate them in a little while. Um, in the short term, obviously on Saturday, Bolton the visitors surf more. It's going to be Sam Volk's, by the way, alongside Danny Ings up front. Uh, Lee Hughes's comments on the official website were quite interesting. I don't know if you've seen those, Adam, but he seemed to intimate that we will look to promote from within. Um, so Volks and Ryan Noble could get a chance in the short term, perhaps even an opening for Jason Gilchrist, who Andy has mentioned on the live chat is a young player who scored a lot of goals in the U team, but he's not even played much reserve team football. Um, do you think it will be Volks and Ings on Saturday, or uh, will we be looking to bring someone in tomorrow?
3: Even I think it's most likely that it's it's going to be Volks and Ings. Um, I can't see any, uh, us signing anyone tomorrow, though I could be. Proven embarrassingly wrong, um, but uh, it'll it'll be interesting because we we don't know whether the team have prepared anything um, like a Vokes and Ings partnership um, in pre-season. You'd expect it, but uh, we we don't really know whether that's happened in training or whatever. Um, it's not really happened in the friendlies, I don't think. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they interact without austin and and see how they cope with with the circumstances
2: it will be fascinating because remember in january when austin was missing with that hamstring injury which um interestingly kept him out for the whole of the transfer window i don't know if that was a coincidence or not but we did pretty well when we were playing Volts up front on his own i think we won three games one nil in a row so we've proven that we can get results without him it's just a case of Doing it for a whole season I suppose Um, One of the problems that we are going to face On Saturday and until we sign a replacement As Greengrass has pointed out on our live chat Is that Folks and Ings haven't played together a lot in pre-season It was Austin and Ings because that was the the strike force we were hoping to play. So, on Saturday, Volks and Ings are going to have to learn to play together, thrown into the first game of the season, and hopefully a big crowd at Turf more, so it's going to be difficult for them. And, as well, the rest of the team has got used to Austin and Ings as a partnership, and now they've got to adapt to Volks. Um We've played the ball on the floor quite a lot for pre-season, but, Kevin, do you think the fact that Volks is going to be thrust into the side means that Dyche might end up? results into the, the longer style of football we saw at times last season.
4: Yeah, that's definitely the the, the big concern now going forward. Um, we, the, the style of play we played at the end of last season, probably justified, we got quite a lot of criticism from fans and that started to die down a little bit in the last few weeks as we've uh, been playing a lot more positively in, in pre-season. And like you say, I think Charlie Austin was a big part of that because his game thrives with the ball on the floor, um, whereas Vox is kind of the opposite, Whereas he will probably attract a lot more of the long balls up to his head. Um, I think another issue is, like you said, that the team have been used to playing with, with Austin up front with Ings. Um that's the, that's the way we've set up. And Vox brings a very different dimension to our game. So it'll be interesting to see just how, how we adapt to that, given that there's going to be essentially one day of preparation between... Um, the squad being changed and the game on Saturday I really hope we can continue to play um, a, an attractive style of football play on the ball a lot more on the floor a lot more playing a bit more positively um, I really hope we can play like that but it remains to be seen how how that will uh, come to fruition on Saturday
2: Yeah I mean from what I've seen in the friendlies we have played on the floor a lot but we have worked to get the ball in the box as well as early as possible so that will suit Volks because they'll have plenty of crosses to attack Yeah, but it, it will be tough for the side to adapt to not having Austin around. Obviously, that's going to be tricky. Um, so, it looks like Volks and Ings at the weekend. Paul has been on our live chat saying that he could do well with the run of start, Stan He's A curious stat that I think James alerted us to was that Volts did play in every game last season. It was just that the vast majority of them were from the bench. and A lot of his appearances were seconds, minutes, really, from the bench in injury time. Um, do you rate Sam Vult, James, or do you think we are going to need to improve on him?
1: Um well, like the stat says, we haven't seen an awful lot of him. But um I was at the Millwall game, I think, in January. Um and he was he was fantastic that day. Um I think mean, Junior Sanistas had a great game that day as well, Jimmy will be pleased to know. Uh, it's probably one of our best
2: performances of the season, wasn't it? Was it do we want now? the music?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic performance. Um I was a little bit disappointed by the den. It's definitely not as uh, intimidating as anyone ever says. But oh, we played really well. They've
2: turned it down and they? a lot of the Hooligans have been banned now.
1: <laughs> yeah, you could tell because I don't think there was anyone there. But, um, <laughs> uh, but no, <laughs> folks, had a, folks had a really good game. And I don't think anyone can ever ever fault him for effort. And obviously there was that goal against Blackburn, um, which I think Dash famously said in his press conference that a fan shouted, What's he gonna do for five minutes? And uh, then he popped up with the <laughs> But um I think I think he's got more to offer than we've ever managed to see. Uh and some people rule him out because he you know he came in on a loan spell, and he played bits and pieces. And as I've said before, it's hard to judge people off those sort of short loan spells where they, they're not really getting into the side properly, they've probably not had enough time to mix. Which I think is what I said about uh, Noble in all of his loans, uh, loan spells. Uh, and I think obviously we saw that with Volks. So he's, he's got I'd, a good chance this year.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I would hope Volks will take the chance as he did in January and he'll play well and the team might prefer playing with someone who's a bit more of a physical presence. I mean, Austin was a big, strong lad, but he didn't really put himself about as much as Volks does. I think Volks gets compared to more sometimes just because of his size, but he's much more mobile, so it's it's not really a fair comparison. I mean, he's a big lad, but he'll get about, and he'll put defenders under pressure, and he can do that, but also be a threat in and around the box. Uh, Volks and Ings, on paper, it's the sort of classic little and large partnership. It could end up um, gelling quite well. What do you make of Volks and Ings as a partnership,
3: Adam? Um as you say it's it could it's got the potential to be um a kind of little and large partnership a, a defoe and crouch if you like um that's not the best example though uh but we 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 still yet to see it completely we I don't think we saw, saw it that often last season um so we'll have to wait and see what what's that uh what's with that um hopefully it'll be good um obviously we, we all hope that it'll work out and if it does you've got to question whether Dice needs to bring any, any another striker in if uh, another striker to go straight into the first team um, yeah well, uh, is, uh,
2: from the the comments that Lee who's made on the official website he did suggest that we would look, he, I think his words, I don't have the quotes in front of me but he said something along the lines of this will be an opportunity for us to promote from within suggesting that players who are already in and around the squad are going to get their chance obviously Sam Volks is one of those and we expect he'll immediately come into the side on Saturday but there's, there's Ryan Noble as well who, when he signed it was intimated that he would go into the development squad maybe this opens up a chance for him in the first team but there is certainly a lack of depth and we've talked about this throughout the whole squad but up front in particular you look at Danny Ings talented lad, he's not done much in the first team yet despite his strong pre-season Sam Volks not had a run of games but again not been massively impressive and then you've got Ryan Noble who's a complete gamble so you've got to look at the squad at the moment and you wonder where the goals are going to come from Kevin do you, do you worry about our ability to score enough goals this season
4: yeah I think the big concern is that we've got three strikers who have played very little football recently um, Ings had a very stop start season um, Volks was predominantly a bench player and Noble has played a few games alone but that's it um, now at least one, probably two of us, are now going to be expected to to be our regulars. We're going to be expected to play every week in week out ninety minutes. So that's going to be something different to what they have experienced in the last uh, last couple of seasons. Um, we, both know, we know that Ings in particular has got got the talent to score goals. Um, we need to hope he can play play consistently. I think he I think if he can, this could be a really big season for him. I think even with with Charlie Austin in beside this would still have been a big season for him. I really expect him to score quite a lot of goals. Um, but now the pressure's on him to even more so because now rather than being expected to so, score goals to so complement Charlie Austin, he's got to score goals instead of Charlie Austin. But I think he can do it. You've also he's, got
3: to remember that Ings has been injured a lot as well in, in his short career absolutely. so far. He's, he's been plagued by injury. We were almost saying the same thing about him last season. We wanted to see progress and we wanted to see him scoring lots of goals. Um, but then he got injured. He got, got, uh, had a knee injury, didn't he? And and that kind of scuppered his chances until the end of the season where he, when he was um, kind of a bit part player. He didn't really impress too much, but he, he showed um, a few promising signs.
2: Yeah, it's been tough for Danny Innes. I mean, he's, he's been at the club two years now, but it's, it's not really happened for him yet. Although... Everyone knows he's got talent, and it's going to happen for him eventually. It's just a case of everything coming together. Um, I, I suppose we'll be hoping that this is this is a chance for Ings to really step up. But he's going to have a lot of pressure on his shoulder, uh, on his shoulders, of course, because he's got six goals for the club, and all of a sudden he's going to be expected to be our main source of goals. He's got five in five in pre season, so he can do it. But we've not really seen him. Um, perform to that level on a regular basis in the Championship. James, um, we spoke about Ings on Monday but do you think he's going to thrive in Austin's absence or is he going to find it difficult? We've got to remember he's only 21 still.
1: I think we saw when uh, Jay Rodriguez sort of got the nod to to take a bigger role, he stepped up to it and I think Danny Ings is capable of doing the same to be honest. it's it, He's young um, but I think sometimes in a way that Works in their favor because they don't think too much about, um, you know, the the other stuff. They they just concentrate on playing the football at that age. I think, and um, it's not
2: fear, Danny Ings, has he? You can tell that the way he plays. He's got no fear. He's full of confidence, and he always he always backs himself to beat his man, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, you can see he always feels he knows what he's doing, and that you know wherever he goes with it, he's gonna. You know, be successful and I think that's what you want someone who has that confidence you know sometimes it might mean that actually he gets it badly wrong and you know maybe that almost costs us but you know I think that works in his favour really that he's sort of fearless and will do do anything if he thinks it might might succeed it will be interesting
2: to see how Inks does this season because as we just said there's gonna be a lot of pressure on him. But he seems like the sort of character who can it can handle that and I think he's, it's gonna be a big year for him. It has to be a big year for him. It was interesting that we turned down the the offer from Bournemouth earlier in the summer, which was apparently um the same sort of money that we paid for them. And obviously, we would have been in real problems now if we had sold him and Austin had gone as well. So, we'd, we'd obviously been aware that Austin could go and Ings was going to have to be the replacement. So, it will be fascinating to see how he does. And it would be great if he could get off to a goal scoring start on Saturday when Bolton are at the turf. And we're going to move on to replacements for Austin. Just in a minute, I'm going to do some of your comments on the live chat. Please do keep suggesting replacements for Charlie Austin if you're listening live. If you're not listening live, then um, tough. You'll just have to tweet us them or something, and then we'll mock you from afar. But we've had some comments on the blog already. (laughs) Daniel said that we don't need anyone stellar to replace Austin because someone who can come on for the last 15 to 20 minutes or so is going to do, and he suggests we go for someone like a goal-scoring journeyman. Um, We've had some suggestions of players already. Players like Sylvani, Banks-Blake. I think I read today that he's going to be injured until October, so I'm not sure he's going to be a a particularly good type just because he's not going to be able to play. Andy suggested that Jason Gilchrist gets given a chance. We spoke briefly about him earlier. I think Gilchrist, um, still very young, very raw. I saw a couple of pictures of him today. He looks quite slight. I'm not sure he's... He's just not built enough for first-team football yet, but he'll be one to keep an eye on. I'm sure he'll play reserve team football. Sorry, development squad football um, this season because we don't have a reserve team anymore. Um, Naki Wells is the first one I want to talk about because we know that Wells has been linked to the club before. There's been reports suggesting we were willing to pay as much as £1 million for him. However... Peterborough have already had 1.1 million pounds turned down for him, and this is a player who's only really played his football in League Two for Bradford City so far. Um, Naki Wells, then Adam, what do you make of him? Is he ready, or is two leagues too much of a jump for him?
3: He's one of those players that everyone said, "Oh yes, we have got to get Naki Wells." It's kind of I, I don't even know too much um, about him, um, but uh, I'm. We had a really
2: think... good on last year, Wells, and I think it. He had one of those seasons where he tended to impress in matches that were on telly, so everyone got very excited about him because he did some good skills against Arsenal in the League Cup. A bit like Zaha. Yeah, a little bit. Obviously, totally different sort of player, but yeah. maybe the similar sort of profile. I think with Wells, what people see is that, like Austin, he's scored goals in the lower League and he's he's the sort of player who, who's still got lots of room to develop and we could sell him on. People are looking for that sort of profile, a young player that we can work with but he's still going to score goals in the short term and then we can sell on because that's obviously our model. That's the way we have to do things. Um, Naki Wells, James, what do you make of him?
1: Um, I think he's a bit unproven, to be honest. I I wouldn't say he was worth the gamble. He's not scored as many goals as Charlie Austin had at at that stage. Uh, I'd I'd like to see what he does in League One first before you you even have a, a thought of bringing him to the Championship. What I do like the of though is um, apparently the Daily Mail Lincoln was with Kevin Doyle. Um, you know, see. tough. Apparently, that's for one of the one, of the, one of the comments. Yeah, Austin there. said that. But, Austin um, Greenwood, not Charlie Austin. <laughs> I know he's had a. I know Kevin Doyle's had a, a tough few years, but um, he's he's definitely a player who can score goals. It's Alan Kevin so, Doyle, certainly. If that is uh, if that's true, you can get him for a, you know a good price because he's a previous seven million pound signing. Um, yeah to get to someone like Doyle, and I think
2: wages would obviously be the main problem. There, yeah. Well, I like mean, forty thousand pound a week, something ridiculous at Wolves.
1: Yeah, he will be. But I mean, it depends on uh, you know what his priorities are, what his hunger is. If he's hungry to, to get back to where he was, then maybe he'd, he'd you know he'd take a cut on a you know a couple of years deal, probably with some sort of close you know, to to say if we don't get promoted, the big side comes in, you'll let me go. Because obviously, if he starts banging him in again, people are going to sniff around, and uh, it would be interesting to see if that is an option. But um, That is interesting. You know, I yeah, haven't heard about that. Um, I think that's just, very left field. But. Certainly,
2: I think he would be at the top of the sort of price range that we could be looking at. He was saying about Wells, and I agree that we'd need to see him in League One. I mean, Austin had scored a lot of goals in League One when we paid 1.2 million for him. But the way the market is at the moment, they're already talking 1.1 £1.2 million for him and he hasn't played in League One. So if he does start the season well, then that fee is going to move upwards and he's going to be out of our price range, which is upsetting really for a player who's not really played. Uh, we'll talk about Kevin Doyle, who's obviously... I've got
3: the um, Mail article up here, by the way. Uh,
2: go on, anything interesting?
3: Um, Wolves have already said, uh, said to Celtic that they want £2 million for Doyle, so I think that's out already
2: that probably does rule him out of our price range. Um, I mean, it, we haven't talked about the Austin fee simply because it's undisclosed, which pretty much all transfers are these days, but reports have placed it anywhere between 2.25 million, which I think everyone will be wincing and shedding a tear about, and then upwards as far as 4 million, which I think everyone will be pretty much happy with. So, Although we all expect that it's going to be quite heavily dependent on clauses for appearances, goals, probably a, a sizable amount of money, if KPR get promoted, we've basically got no idea what we've got for us, and so we're not sure what sort of budget we're going to be working with.
1: There's possibly even a sell-on in there as well, because obviously that's a, a I would imagine commonly so, yeah. used in in transfers now. And I did think a while ago, a post on the website, that really for football to sort of um, keep fans' trust, we probably need to get rid of this uh, sort of smoke and mirrors approach to transfers. Undisclosed. I don't think fills any fan with you know confidence in what's going on in the football system. It's not a club thing. It's a you know, it's a football world thing because it only takes one team to not want to unveil what well, you know reveal what it is for the transfer to be undisclosed. Yeah, if, if they're going to
3: implement them, uh, uh, if we, we we're going to have to expect um, clubs to reveal that the transfer um, values. Um, it's got to be a rule because the reason that clubs don't want to do it is because it pushes up um, transfer, um, like subsequent transfer targets. It's, is that why, though? I mean, I always think when clubs,
2: certainly before it was so widespread, but whenever I saw an on this close feet, I assumed that either the selling club was scared the fans were going to think they'd gone for too cheap or the buying club was going to... Their fans were going to say they've paid too much. Well, uh, so I think, when you I, see an underscores fee, that automatically gets me thinking someone thinks they've been ripped off and that's why they want it covered up. That's what my brain processes that information as.
3: I mean, I think it's because, um, if so, if a club wants to get a replacement, it, so if Burnley wants to get a replacement for Austin, it's so, it clubs don't and, know what we
2: have to spend, yeah,
3: and and all, all the clubs or the targets, um their current clubs know that we've got i don't know four million they're going to say well we want two million for him because they know we've we've got that income in um i I think that that's the the main reason for i think
2: yeah i mean i suppose that's fair enough but we've, we've talked about transparency in football and i think everyone wants to see more of that and when the accounts come out we'll see how much players have gone for i mean we'll have to work out who was what but it'll be there the number will be there how much we've got in transfers and we will be able to work it out so they're essentially just delaying the inevitable and I think it's a little bit unfair on fans because you have to judge players on what what they've cost in the club and if we don't know that then you can't I mean someone like Austin we paid 1.2 million for and for a long time people thought we'd wasted that money he came and he's he had a problem with his shoulder and he didn't score for his first six months and people thought he was too overweight and that was because people knew it would cost £1.2 million. Of course, now £1.2 million looks like it was a bargain for us and everyone thinks the other way around. But if we don't know these fees, how on earth can we judge how players are doing? What do you make of that, Kevin? What do you think of the undisclosed
4: fees? Yeah, I absolutely agree. and I think the other problem is if you don't know don't know how, someone's, how much someone's cost, and you've got an issue with what you were just saying about um, judging a player on, on 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 his cost rather than just his ability. If you've got a, someone coming for an undisclosed fee and he, he's not that good, we say we've only paid five hundred thousand for him but the media's speculating more than that, maybe a million. And that's got a different effect on that because we're going to judge him as a million pound player and if, perhaps not. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely agree about what James was saying about transparency. I think... Um, Clubs, especially outside the Premier League, are going to have are going to start having problems engaging fans a little bit at the moment because I think football is starting to become a little bit more impersonal. Um, clubs are becoming a lot more business like. Money in money, money for, for ticket prices, etc., are going wildly up. And I think fans, clubs really need to try and identify with fans a lot more, make it get that family feel back, which I think has been lost quite a bit in the last ten years. Um, the clubs need to feel like community clubs, which. As long as we, we've got things like high ticket prices and especially things like uh, undisclosed fees, it feels a lot more, 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 more like a business than a community club, I think. I
2: think you made an interesting point there about the need to, especially clubs like ours that are so small compared to the ones that we're competing with, needing to be like a family club. David Jones actually, we've not mentioned David Jones even though he signed for Burnley today <laughs> uh, just because the Austin situation is going on David Jones said one of the reasons he wanted to play for us was because he thinks it's a family squad so a, f- a family club even so maybe to players it does look like that sort of club but we're not maybe putting out that sort of image um, Some I of names I'm going to start throwing names at you okay. and I want an immediate response Sam Baldock, Bristol City striker Underwhelming Yeah No one that impressed by Sam Baldock Okay, fair enough, we'll move on Matty Friart Who? Uh... (laughs) I couldn't even tell you where he plays, to be honest I I know him from Leicester I know Friart from Leicester He's one of these players who's had decent spells But uh, I'm not sure whether he'd be Right For us, let's say. Who else have we got? I'm going to
1: throw the Billy Sharp one out there because um...
2: Billy Sharp, I was waiting to bring him up He's my first choice, Billy Sharp
1: it would be interesting, but obviously, he apparently, turned us down before on the basis of the facilities. But um, we the have facilities upgraded. have been improved. Yeah, golf up so has we, been. Yeah, we have upgraded golf up since then. So maybe if he does come, that's a glowing endorsement of golf up because uh, that was apparently the sticking point for him in the past. I mean, golf up to me looks fantastic now. So if he doesn't agree, maybe it's maybe it's for the best. But to it come, was but
3: it was really s- terrible before.
1: Someone else pointed out he's on. Serious money at Southampton, but he's on serious money and not actually playing much football. Yeah, Southampton
2: Southampton are definitely going to let him go. I mean, you look at the players they've already got and they've spent serious money again this summer. I think Southampton are probably going to be top half in the Premier League this year. Um, So Sharp's going to have to take a pay cut wherever he goes. No one's going to pay him 25k a week is what people are talking about. No one's going to pay him that in the Championship. So he's going to have
1: to take a pay cut. You look at who Southampton have already released. Obviously, Richard Chapo left. Uh, he's someone I would have loved to see come back to Burnley because he did sort of lose his way for a long time until he went to Southampton. Um, but he's he's easily taken a massive cut to be at Millwall
0: because yeah, he must that's... have been on
1: twenty five thirty grand at Southampton, and there's no way Millwall are paying that because obviously they're bottom half of the Championship sort of side. Um, so I think there is. I think those players realise when they leave a side like that where they're not involved, they're going to have to take sizable cuts if they want to get 1st in football.
2: Especially with Billy Sharp. I think he's quite keen to come back to the North. So it, it, it's, that's an, eco- an economical thing as much as anything. He's not going to earn as much playing for a team in the North. A yeah. team like us, a team like Barnsley, a team like Doncaster, whoever's going to be in for him. He's not going to earn anything like 25 grand playing for us. But I he mean, will get regular as
1: well. Um, Ten grand a week, hardly even on the breadline. So, well, exactly. These players surely they can
2: manage. I think a lot of players with financial fair play, as long as it's implemented properly, and teams do have to start sticking to within their means, like clubs like ours do, and then we get punished because other clubs don't, and then just go into administration. Assuming that actually gets enforced properly, then teams are going to be unable to pay wages like that, and we are going to see players have to take pay cuts. And I would hope Billy Sharp is bright enough to be aware that he'd rather come and play for a club like ours where he's going to be a star than go somewhere else and just be a squad player and get five minutes in the League Cup every now and again. What do you make of Billy Sharp, Kevin? Would he be on your list?
4: Um, it's a funny one. I think, um, I think, I think like we're saying, just for financial reasons, I don't think we will get him. And I think I agree with uh, what Daniel was saying earlier on the chat that I don't think we need to sign somebody who's going to come in and replace Charlie Austin. I don't think we're going to need someone who's going to walk into the team. I think what we're going to sign is somebody who's going to be around the squad, um, maybe behind Ings, maybe even behind folks. Um But I don't think we're going to be going out and spending serious money on, uh, on a replacement for Charlie Austin, simply because the last few years we have been seriously cutting costs. I think there were reports of players being asked to take Almost a 50% waste cut in some, some cases. I think 50% um,
2: was the starting point in the negotiations, wasn't it? And I think yeah, the offers yeah. moved upwards after that.
4: Yeah, and I think, especially with, with, with us not getting as much as we perhaps hoped for with Charlie, I think, I think earlier in the summer we were hoping for something like 7 million. And the fees we talk about today have been starting at 2.5, which is obviously a massive come down from that. It's
2: possible that we've already budgeted for getting more for Austin as well, so that could affect what we can do this summer if it's true that the Austin fee is as low as sort of 2.5 million Yeah, so they've said better. that 4
3: million of it will go to go towards um, plugging the gap, if you will and Kevin's um, offline again by the way it's uh,
2: Thomas has been on on the live chat actually, um, he demanded that I give him a shout out for his piece on the site today, actually reaction piece to Charlie Austin Steele uh, sort of asking for people to remain calm And have a bit of balance We've lost players before, we'll lose players again It's not our big deal And Thomas says, Billy Sharp, never in a million years there will be someone who'll be lowering the pecking order As Kevin just said uh, Someone with potential who can play behindings and Volkes And then come through Thomas is now going mental on the live chat Because he's got a shout out uh, He says, so who's the lad at Morecambe who had a good scoring run last season I don't know We'll try and get the answer for that If you know, please do shout Another player, Tom Pope James Bird Tom Pope
1: Tom Pope I've not seen anywhere near enough of him so I've given an opinion um, um, I
2: think Pope's a pretty much a journeyman player last season he got a bit famous because when Austin was top of the European goalscorer charts Tom Pope was on the list as well I think he had 17 when Austin had 20 but he's a player that's not been anywhere near championship standards so far he'd be a huge gamble
1: I mean i I sort of agree with uh, I'd like to see someone come in who's going to be on the bench. I don't think this point of the season is the time to sort of bring in a key piece because he's just not going to have time to bed in. And a lot of being a good striker for a side is bedding in. You need to know what sort of service you're going to get, what areas people, you know, like the striker to be in. And he's someone's not going to learn that in, you know, the two, three weeks they've got until we're really into the meat of the season. Um, so it's it is a case of I'm sure um Dash is already looking at what's out there. And I think it's a case of just getting someone who fits what he thinks the side needs. As I said, Sam Volk's had some good games when he got a chance last season. And if you give him an extended run, you know. He's only he gonna get score. better, isn't he? Surely he'll get better Sam Volks the more
2: he plays, he's not gonna get worse. Yeah,
1: you know, he can score goals, he's good in the air, he's good in around the box. And then, obviously, you've got Danny Ings who can do that a little bit extra.
2: That's something a bit special. Yeah, I think it's got a makings of a half-decent partnership. Uh, we've lost Kevin at the moment. I don't know if he was on the bus or something, but there was plenty of background noise. He's hoping to get back um, shortly. Uh, another name I'll throw at you, Jason Roberts.
3: Mm, He's been around
2: a long time, Jason Wages Roberts. Wages, Wages, it's and he's played a problem problem for a which club cars, I suppose, which is why people talk about lower league players. But if we Ouch. do want someone who's going to guarantee goals, someone like Jason Roberts,
1: would he be the rat mold? I do wonder how his Zimmer frame will cope with the steps out of the changing room, <laughs> but. um Ouch. Maybe, maybe that's a shout, <laughs> maybe that's a shout. Ouch. <laughs> That's the
2: burn. If Jason Roberts signs for us now, I'm going to send him a recording of this podcast and he's going to come round and beat you up. <laughs> uh, Maybe we'll
1: Andy Cole moment earlier, you know, Andy set off Cole. Chase.
2: Brilliant. That was a, That was a classic. I, I would pay to see that. I would definitely pay to see Jason Roberts chasing you. <laughs> uh, it's also, we pointed down on the live chat that... Um, Hull got promoted last season without a superstar goal scorer, Cardiff did as well, I think I wrote a piece for the site earlier this summer, and neither of those two clubs had anyone who got double figures in the league, so it just shows that it can be done, and Andy's been on as well saying that goals were spread fairly evenly around the squad when we got promoted as well, so we've proved that he can do it, I think when we went up. Pato was top scorer with something like seventeen, and that was from I mean, sixty-one games. So he wasn't even really prolific. He scored a lot of goals, but it was in a lot of games as well. I think
1: he, I think he scored nineteen in total in sixty. Was it nineteen uh, in 60. six, sixty-three or whatever he played? But that includes cup goals. Yeah, so it, it, it was actually one three. On, I, think I, think I think it was, it was 15, last one and on three in the in week, including the playoffs. So, you know, that is quite, quite low down in in comparison to. To what Charlie was scoring, um, but I think uh, the best sides always rely on goals from coming from everywhere, not from one man. Um, yeah,
2: we've had Thomas on again. He's been on Wikipedia, opportunities to find out about the lad from Morecambe who was buying them in. It was someone called Jack Redshaw, apparently. He's twenty-two. Well, I don't know anything about, but apparently he scored sixteen in forty-six last season. Um, someone else who's maybe a similar mould would be. Um, Oh, God, I've forgotten his name. That's embarrassing. The lad who went to Leicester City from Fleetwood Town. What's his name? He scored loads and Jamie Vardy. He scored a hell of a lot of goals for Fleetwood. and I think he moved for about a million pounds and he's not really done anything at Leicester. Um, I don't think he's going to get much of a look this season. Would he be worth going after Jamie Vardy?
3: I don't know because Leicester's squad is quite thin on the ground. I know, it, not well, relatively. They've been chipping <laughs> they can, players, haven't they? yeah. They've been desperately trying think, to comply with uh,
1: financial fair yeah. play. I don't think saying someone's not done very well, Leicester, is a, a damning sort of no. uh, verdict on them because Leicester have chopped and changed so much. I mean, it's,
2: some players uh, at the wall and steam haven't they?
1: They do really show the bad side of a club getting money because they just they literally throw money everywhere. You know, it's it's hard to look at their signings and see any sort of coherent policy. They just seem to have you know. Picked a player and yep, by him, just thrown him at the wall and see if he sticks. And when he hasn't, they've sort of just dropped them by the wayside. Yeah, I think he's only scored four goals in 26 appearances at Leicester, which is next to none. Clearly, a talent though. I mean, he scored a lot of goals at Fleetwood. I'm just he's looking. I'm just him. looking up his numbers now. He scored 31 in 36 at Fleetwood, which I don't think anyone can really argue with uh, with that kind of record, even though it was-, was at a lower level.
2: That was before they were in the league as well, wasn't it? So those were non-league goals. So it, it has been a big step up for him.
1: Yeah, it has been a big step up for him. And obviously a million pounds a lot of money for someone who's uh, not necessarily played at a high level. But I'd imagine he's probably available for quite a lot less than that <laughs> if, if we were to look at, look at signing him. One interesting snippet that did come out today
2: uh, Chris Borden from the D- Burnley Express who we tried to get on the podcast but it was unfortunately double booked uh, we'll try and get him on at some point in the future he did ask Borden's chat on the Burnley Express website today and he revealed that Kevin Davies was going to sign for us if Austin's move to Hull had gone through now um, Davies certainly polarised opinion I think it's polite to say when it came out that he was being linked with us but uh, Chris did say that it would have been mainly as cover and someone to have around the squad rather than Davies being the, the actual replacement for, for Austin. What do you make of that news, Adam, that Davies was so close to signing for us?
3: Um, I don't think it's shocking because they, they know each other very well, um, Dyson and, and Kevin Davies. Um I think there was a Talksport interview um, with with uh, both of them on, and it was very. They were all, they were both very coy about the situation, so it wouldn't have been a surprise. Um, but as you say, it was very polarizing, and sometimes that can be a negative thing. Um, despite um, maybe that's not the right thing. Um, the the fact that managers be judged on the popularity of a player rather than um, a their actual skill rather. Um, It's it's
2: difficult when you've got someone like Davies who's been around for so long, everyone's already decided, haven't they? He's never going to change anyone's name at anyone's mind, sorry, at 36. Um, Just to move away from the football for a while, I think people have got a little bit bored with the podcast because they're starting to tell us who we all sound like. (laughs) James sounds like Jimmy Anderson. James is quite happy about that, obviously. England and Burnley cricketer, James Anderson, currently tearing it up in the ashes. And I've been my accent, my northeast, na- northwest hybrid <laughs> has been described as incredible, which is, I'm going to put that on my CV, I think, has an incredible voice. <laughs> I think people will be delighted with that. Right, we're going to wrap up soon, but I do have some more names. Aidan's been on, on Twitter suggesting that we could go for a loan from the Premier League rather than um, shopping what, in sort about of a league bargain.
3: John Guidetti, that we had from City.
2: He's on the list. He's on the list. Is he? Um City have signed Alvaro Negredo this summer so perhaps he's been pushed down the pecking order. Although with Carlos Tevez going out maybe there will still be an opportunity. Um he didn't really do much for us Guidetti Guidetti however you say his name. But he's he went on loan to Ajax was it last yeah. season and scored a lot of goals. Goals and don't really count as proper ones but He's clearly a talented goal scorer. We could perhaps look at
1: bringing him back. What do you make of that prospect, James? I mean, he showed all the other signs for us. But to be honest, I think he's uh, he's sort of probably above our level now. I think if they were loaning him out, they'd probably look to Europe again. Um, but I do like the idea of bringing someone in from the Premier League. There's always going to be, you know, youngsters who are uh, not going to get a look in. Sides that you know want to give him a chance to score some goals. And I think that's the kind of player maybe you want on your bench. Um, I think I've said in the past that you see a lot of the teams that get promoted from the Championship have picked up one real gem of a loan. And, uh, you know, that loan player, they can be hit and miss. A bit like probably Chris Eagles was in our promotion season, where at times he was sort of completely, you know, you'd rather he just like sort of left straight away, (laughs) play with 10 men. Uh,
2: another bit you, can tell, you can tell with the Eagles, couldn't you? I think a lot of these creative players, players like Chris Eagles and I'd put players like Glenn Little and Robbie Blake in the same category you can tell five minutes into the game whether they're going to be any good It's yeah, almost, I mean, The first time they touch the ball you can tell if, if their touch is, if it feels right and if they're going to have a good game and you can just, you're can you right, you can just take them off after that because sometimes you can tell they're going to have a stinker
1: Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of sides have done they've, they've picked up You know, that young gem from the the Premier League, you know, he might not bring his best game every game because he's young, he's inexperienced, but at the end of the day, he's a class act. And you do see those teams tend to get promoted as a result. So, you know, there's going to be someone out there in the uh, Premier League. A lot of the top sides have a lot of depth. And, you know, maybe you wait a few weeks until the Premier League season and see who's not made the uh, 25 man squads, but. There's, there's got to be someone to pick up there to you know sit on the bench and do a job for us.
2: Well, we've had a few names from Aiden on Twitter as well. He's suggested. Um, I'm not sure these names are going to ring a bell for you. you know? <laughs> there's Henriquez from Manchester United, who's um, not played for them yet, I don't think, but he's come with a big reputation. Um, Piazon, I think, is at Chelsea. Um, Velios of Everson. <laughs> Um, Wilbraham, don't no. know. <laughs> I've heard, hey. Struggling a little bit with these suggestions in and i'm sorry i've I'm sorry, I don't really know who some of these players are. Um, any of those ringing any bells, Adam? Where's Wilbraham from? Well, I, I don't. Does he mean Aaron Wilbraham of Palace? I hope not, because he's terrible. He's such a poor <laughs> player. I can't believe Palace got promoted playing Wilbraham up front. I, I'm still amazed that that happened. Obviously, he was only in because Glenn Murray was injured for the playoffs, but they still got promoted with Wilbraham up front. Are you kidding me? I know it was Phillips that scored the goal, but Wilbraham was playing, really. It must not be him because he's really, really poor. I'm going to shut up about Wilbraham now. I don't really (laughs) at all.
1: (laughs) You may have noticed. Yeah, it's Wilbraham from Palace, apparently.
2: No, no way, no way.
4: Uh,
1: He's 33, he's hardly that uh, sort of fits in on goal. He's he's been around all over the place. He's never really done anything. Um, One suggestion
2: I I do quite like is Conor Wickham, who um, had a massive reputation at Ipswich. Probably moved to the Premier League too early. Went to Sunderland. He's on big money there, but hasn't got a look in. They've signed forwards this summer. They've signed Emmanuel Giaccarini from Juventus and Josie Altidore as well. So, they're quite well stopped forwards now, and they've still got Stephen Fletcher. So, Wickham might be available on loan. What do you make
3: of Connor Wickham, Adam? Would he be a good target? He's another big lad. Maybe a bit too similar to Sam Vokes? Yeah, a little bit too similar to Sam Vokes. Um, I think there was talk last season when we lost J-Rod that um, Howe was trying to get um, Wickham on loan.
2: It was certainly suggested. I don't know if there was anything in
3: it, but his name was linked. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. He's one of these that you've not he's not really been tested yet because well in the last few seasons even um, he was tested at um, Ipswich and then he moved to Sunderland and he hasn't played since really unless he's been on loan and I don't know about it um, I think he's on last season but only briefly he has mainly been kicking around Sunderland's reserves or maybe they've got a development squad as well, I don't know. Someone on the chat says there's attitude uh, problems with Wiccan. Um, That's
2: not something I've heard, but well, these young players, I always think it must be difficult for them. I say it must be difficult for them because they've got loads and loads of money and you have to adapt, but I would swap places where I'm sure everyone who's listening would as well, so it's difficult to an extent, but yeah, it's tricky to adapt to that sort of situation. To be
1: honest, I think I'd be pretty arrogant if someone decides to pay £1 million for me, yeah. so Exactly, you're yeah. nineteen
2: years old, someone decides you're worth eight million pounds and wants to give you forty grand a week, you're gonna turn into a bit of an arse, aren't you? It's like it's natural. That's probably yeah, I mean arse.
1: if I was getting if I was getting sort of you know double my annual salary in a week all of a sudden I'd yeah, I'd be a class A sort of knobhead, <laughs> <laughs> But um we're gonna we have go. to bleep that out
3: because iTunes don't like it explicitly.
2: <laughs> I think knobhead's probably fine, isn't it? Can we get away with bad? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to wrap this up because we're getting yeah. a bit late um, one other um, suggestion we've added from Thomas Pickles this is a classic got to Solskjaer yes I,
3: yes I heard
2: uh, I heard my uncle's girlfriend's brother's dog apparently was at Gothope today and going to Solskjaer was at Gothope I can exclusively reveal that on the No Net Never podcast so are we Solskjaer to he Solskjaer's s- sure dog as well
1: <laughs>
2: yes they were all together they were having a bit of a party down, um, down at Gotham. Yeah, I think we should wrap up there. One more bit of club news that we have to bring is also the sad departure of Marvin Bartley.
3: Marv! No. <laughs> James is
2: devastated. He's such a big fan of Marvin Bartley. No, He's mean. gone on one to Leighton Orient for a month. Um, Sean Dyche obviously doesn't make much of Bartley. Um, but with Jones coming in, it's been one in and two out. So um, Charlie Astin's gone, but... We'll get on without him, I think. We'll probably be all right. Be and Volts at the weekend. And... I mean, I've
1: heard Marvin Bartley's run there, so... <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: he's probably back him. by now. He's, he's, just,
2: he's just running there and back and there Racing and back and there and, and back. Dane Richards. Marvin Bartley and Dane Richards in a race. I would pay to see that. Did you see about the, the the charity race that's been mooted between Usain Bolt and Mo Farah?
1: Yeah. I think it is the same thing, because you know, I think Bartley's got the stamina. And, uh, you know... Yeah, Dane's got the spin, probably, t- spin yeah, t- He's He's got the, the sprint, so...
2: You could do like a relay, couldn't you? You could have a 400-meter relay. Richards and Bartley against bolton Farrow. I reckon the, the Burnley lads would win that. <laughs> anyway, we've been on for an hour. It's probably time for us to go. Uh, we'll I'm be back on Monday night. In the meantime... If you've missed part of the show, you can listen in again. We'll have the link up on our website oh, and nice we'll be able to get it through Facebook as well. We're facebook.com slash Um Our Twitter address, if you're not following us on Twitter yet, you should be. Our Twitter address is nonanevernet as well. Nice and easy to find. Uh, we'll be back on Monday night where we'll have all the, re- all the reactions to hopefully a winning start to the season and we'll also look ahead briefly to the, the cup game at York on Tuesday night. But for now... That's all for now. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show and we'll hear from you again on Monday. So thanks a lot for listening and goodbye.
3: No, no, never live on Saturday, by the way.
2: Oh, of course. No, no, never live. We'll be back on Saturday. Early kickoff. Don't forget if you're not at the game, 12.15 kick-off, so we'll probably join you live at about noon. I think um, Adam Heap is going to look after you because we're all at the game and we'll be going to the pub afterwards. So no, no, never live if you're not at the match. Um, otherwise, we'll see you in the pub. Bye. That's probably a good time to leave it. We'll see you in the pub. (laughs) Goodbye.
0: (laughs) Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Planning for your next trip?